We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in X's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. over for Buffalo. It's over. I'm telling you, that defense, nice. It's the coach. You can keep his scheme, but you can't keep his leadership. Yo, let me go talk to this player like this. Let me go meet this one where they're at. Let me go challenge this one. Let me cut this one. What you doing? Let me. So you can keep his scheme. He ain't there. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Power Report podcast. I'm your Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. Got Ryan Lasel in studio with us this evening. And that was Brandon Marshall from I Am Athlete Radio talking about the departure of Leslie Frazier from the Buffalo Bills for the 2023 season and maybe beyond. And holy shit. If I haven't ever heard an overreaction like you thought Bills fans were bad, I thought Chris. It's not co- maybe. He's not coming back. Correct me if I'm wrong, but by and large, like the reason, like we hear, we, we think about John Fina and how John Fina went from being a retired football player to a podcaster and a content creator. And guys have made, Ryan, how many guys have made that jump from like, I'm going to have, and not, and not like the, cause I feel like every player dabbles, every player tries to do a podcast. The ones who have done it well, like you go from like, I'm going to be an athlete to now I'm going to be a guy who talks about the game and I'm going to do it and I'm going to be entertaining by bringing actual insight from my time or who I know or the connections I still have. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like the guys that, do it after they retire are few and far between. You're, it's more so the guys that have it 
and then they retire and they still have it. Taylor Lewan is one, you yeah. Know, but you look at like the Will NBA, Compton, Will Compton, like JJ Redick has a really good podcast. He didn't start until after he retired, but it's more and more these guys are like, wait, Pat McAfee's doing what? <laughs> like a former punter is doing how, like how much is he worth? And just sign, you know, he's in, in WWE and you know all this stuff, and they're like, well, hell, if a punter can do that. You know, what can I, Brandon Marshall, do with a with a podcast? And it's just nobody cares what you have to say unless you're really, really good at it or you're still playing. Because we've seen with Tony Romo that it doesn't take but a year, maybe two removed from the league before you're all of a sudden behind again. And it just it doesn't resonate the same way. And now, and now Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I Am Athlete does very well. It does. In fact, I've I have listened to a number of them that I found incredibly interesting. Usually, when they talk about the inside, you know, the inside baseball stuff, the, uh, you know, the, I can't remember who the linebacker they had on was, but they were talking about them as a defense, thinking that uh, what's his face, offensive coordinator, former head coach of the Broncos, then disgraced and fired, and then went back to crawling back. Oh, the guy England. that you thought was gonna Josh McDaniel. Okay, oh, I thought you were going well, Nate Hackett. No, Josh McDaniel, and how they thought he was the truth. And then they get slapped with Spygate, too, and the guy was open about how, like, we in the locker room were like, nah, fuck that. No, Josh is good. Josh is good. He goes, and then we rattled off five straight embarrassing losses, and we all had that moment in the locker room looking at each other after the game, and we had to be like, damn it, we was cheating. <laughs> like, that's the type of stuff that's compelling. That's the type of stuff that I care about as someone who listens. What I don't understand is when a guy like this sounds like like. He sounds like me when I'm on a bender on a Sunday, drunk, burning down our Twitter account. Like, how are you more hyperbolic than most Bills fans about a Bills topic? Something that you probably know very little about. That's hilarious to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's combine season. It's, uh, you know, if this this was announced during the rest of the coaching coordinator, you know, terminations and whatnot, you know, I don't know that it would be necessarily a blip on Brandon Marshall's radar. So timing is everything. Well, as we dive into this conversation, you were kind enough to bring some beer with you. Non-fruity this time. Non-fruity this time. This is a Genesee Spring Bock. Now, I have seen this. I have seen this around... I've seen people drink it. I've heard tell of legendary hangovers off of this stuff. How would you best describe this beer to uh, the uninitiated? It, it tastes, so if you know what Genesee tastes like, it tastes like Genesee in the spring. <laughs> it's as best as I can describe it. It's uh, it's it's pretty standard Rochester Jenny beer. Chris? Yeah. The ABV? Ryan, if you want to. Yeah. 5.7. All right. Just over... Just a over water, water cuz last time just I brought the, the juice limit. box. <laughs> you brought juice boxes. I brought the juice box last this, time. So this I one's thought. just over the legal limit. That's All right, right. Let's see. Yeah, my not my favorite Genesee, but still a good one. All right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's a little bit heavy. It's like a Jenny regular. Yep. And then there's just a little something almost fresh. There's just some light notes to it, yeah. At the end of it. This isn't a terrible beer. I really, I was hoping I would hate this. I really was. I was like, I, I was hoping this was going to be terrible. This is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Shit, it does. It does. You know, and and say what you want about Jenny, but ten ninety nine for a twelve pack, you, like you can't go wrong. Yeah, but the problem with this is, is that you wake up the next day like that's that's the thing. You wake up the next day remembering that you drank a bunch of ten. Like, yeah, you drank but a that's ten- that's next day's problem. That's not that's not your problem while you you're know, enjoying this delicious beer. My friend Neil and I have had this conversation about how drunk you mm-hmm. doesn't give a single shit about uh, no. d- about sober you. 
And you can tell based on the decisions drunk you makes. He was like, I woke up the, he was telling me this was a couple years ago, which we're 37, 38. So it, he's, we're still old, but he's single, unmarried, no kids. And he was like, I woke up the other day on my living room floor. He goes, there was an empty box of, he, he recently purchased a fry daddy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like this was right after he had bought a countertop fryer. Yeah. Like an actual oil fryer. So he woke up with an empty cardboard box of jalapeno poppers next to him and an empty bag of shredded cheese. He ate a one pound bag of cheese and a whole box of jalapeno poppers on a bender one night when he came home from the bar. And he's like, I, he's like, it took my body three to four days to recover, not from the hangover, but from the food. And he goes, and I know for a fact that drunk me was like pound of cheese. I don't have to deal with this. It's just it's hilarious to think about it in that Jekyll and Hyde kind of a, but I've yeah. been there. Oh yeah, yeah. Drunk, drunk, drunk. Ryan in, in college, especially, used to it was very ebb and flow into how he would take care of sober Ryan when I would wake up. Sometimes I'd have an aspirin next to the bed with a bottle of water there, and sometimes I would have like an empty garbage plate container on the desk, just ravaged with nothing around. So I knew that I just took one to the face. Took a garbage plate to the face and just passed out, I which is just think, a bad morning. Oh, I still think the worst was the, the day I woke up. I'm in my bed. On my nightstand is a glass of water. I look. I see the glass. There's clear liquid in it. And I go, oh, thank God. I was, I was, all right. I put some thought into this. My mouth is already like the desert. I pick that glass up and I take a giant pull off of it and it is straight gin. There is nothing worse. It's straight beef eater gin. Than the want of water and like the anticipation of water and it's just liquor. And all I'm thinking in my head is, why would I fill a pint glass with gin? Because drunk Drew's thinking, why not fill a pint glass full of gin? (laughs) Who's doing that and then taking it to bed? Uh, now, guys, little known fact: there is a Twitter handle somebody made. I wish I, I wish I could tell who did it. Yeah, there's a drunk Ryan Lacell pot, like a Twitter handle out there. Yeah, and it went dormant. It's still around, but it went dormant. Like it makes me happy that so quickly made- thereafter, when it realized that it wasn't going to get a rise out of me because I don't give a shit about what anyone Chris, on Twitter has to say. Someone made a Ryan Burner like a parody account. Yeah, I know. And then you followed it. Yeah, and that's after what, it that's hadn't what tweeted in like six years. Yep. Because I want to stay ready for when this glorious <laughs> bastard resurfaces. I immediately unfollowed that. Ah, so it is Combine Week. For those of you who heard my uh, drunken ramblings on our Spaces podcast, which, by the way, I'm going to be doing more of those from the basement bar. It was a lot of fun, and I think it went well. Ryan listened, said that he... he I Ryan, did tune in. I was making dinner, so I was glad that you didn't like call me out and ask if I wanted to give my opinion, but it was it was you know a nice change of pace to hear a little bit of Drew, because uh, I, I had powered through the podcast for the week already. So it was nice to have a little bit of Drew. I made some dinner. I saw, because I got the notification, because we share the account on Twitter. I'm at work. It's like 5 o'clock on a Sunday. (laughs) This is a great time to go live on Twitter. (laughs) 5 o'clock on a Sunday when everyone's eating dinner. Yep. Oh, no, that was by design, though. I I told Ryan, I go, here's the thing. I'm doing this now at an obscure time, just to A, test that the equipment works, B, See if I can like make sure the format works and that I actually am narcissistic enough to carry on a solo conversation for 45 minutes to an hour. Also, see if this thing does just hit the rocks like the Titanic, 
I can pretend it never happened. Yeah. And no one saw it. And it yeah. doesn't matter. You, you can call it a test. You know, you can just call it test and just say, sorry about that, guys. Oh, guys, what are you talking about? I wasn't on spaces. I was drinking. I don't know what you're talking about. I must have hit the wrong button on my phone. Either way, it was a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing more of them over the weekends and the coming evenings. So keep an eye out for that. We're actually going to be doing one shortly after this podcast where we'll be live. Hopefully we can have Ryan answer for some of his past sins and misdeeds. <laughs> but for this week, it's Combine Week. And yeah, there was a lot of uh, pre-combine discourse, right, as it relates to the Bills. This was all supposed to be relatively tame. The Buffalo Bills are one of those teams that we're not supposed to have a whole lot to talk about heading into this event, right? Like, we've only got a few major pending free agents, most of which I think both player and team have done a good job of just mm-hmm. being like, look, we respect the players. We're going to let them test free agency. Yep. The players say, hey, I love Buffalo, but I'm going to see what the future holds. No acrimony, no barbs. You're talking about a team with no arrests. You're talking about a team with, or at least that we know of, no, no absurd courting of free agent quarterbacks or like weird back channeling to figure out who our next head coach is going to be. Mm. Like we don't have any of this. And then the team rolled out its annual list of coaching staff changes, <laughs> and all hell broke loose. Yeah. Now I want to preface this entire conversation with this. I spent most of the regular season and playoffs railing, drunkenly screaming into the ether of social media about the performance of Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. I think he just woefully underperformed. I think there was a lot of situations where, I don't know, he just didn't give the team options. Mm -hmm. He didn't leave us. Nick Geary put it really well during his rant about Joe Marino's tweet during our last podcast, how he just didn't bring any creativity with him on Sundays. And you could just steal some from other people. It's a copycat league. Right, exactly. Go copycat. Do something. Just He would hope that the Bills' talent would bail him out. I'm obviously not alone in feeling that way. And had the Bills decided to move on from Ken Dorsey, I would not have been upset. I wouldn't have been mad. I would have... I would have hoped they'd go for someone who's a little bit more accomplished the second time around, but I wouldn't have been pissed that they jettisoned a coordinator. Now take that dynamic and consider Leslie Frazier. Consider Leslie Frazier's impact here, right? The team announced he's going to be stepping away from coaching for the 2023 season and return in 2024. The way and McDermott answered those questions, you heard Chris, he was earlier just adamant. He's not coming back. Well, a lot of that's fueled by the way they answer those questions, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's it. The entire (laughs) situation just kind of screams. We know we have to make a change. We know that Leslie's a great guy. Everybody likes him in the, you know, but we've got to do something because whatever we're trying on defense over the last couple of seasons hasn't quite been enough when the defense is supposed to be the one, you know, that's going to go out and win us, you know, keep us in football games. And they're the ones that are losing us football games. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a Leslie, we need to make a change, but we're not going to fire you kind of situation. You, you know, I don't know what the status of his contract is, but it very much feels like a, we're going to let you walk away, take a year off and hopefully you find something different uh, come 2024. I love that Chris guys, Chris just went upstairs, got a bunch of cough drops and literally threw them at me as he walks back into the room. I love it. Nobody heard you coughing anyway. He was, he was caught. He did a couple decent coughs. So Chris, <clears throat> as, as a great producer that Chris is made sure that he takes care of the talent. Yeah. 
but Fuck nobody heard. So now no. you get to listen to him slosh the, the, the lozenge around in his mouth for the entire podcast. So you well, I'm gonna, well, and, and I'm going to mix it with beer. Yeah. That, well, no. Drew sucking on a cough drop, more interesting than people think, because... His teeth aren't straight. They hit at different levels. So it's almost like a song. I was going to say, are you saying it's like tubular bells over here? I was going to say, it strikes me. It strikes me as like a like you know you give it you give a lozenge to like some type of large primate that just doesn't know what to make of the consistency (laughs) and the taste. So it's like moving it around in the mouth, trying to figure out, (laughs) trying to make sense of it. Yeah, that that's exactly what I I would anticipate if I gave a lozenge to a gorilla. That's exactly what I would. My old teeth are like the Glockenspiel over here. We're playing tubular bells. It's going to be a great time. Uh, so you're right, though. I think that, that what they did is better than this unceremonious. I mean, look at the way the fan base, the derision that the fan base reacted with when we let go of Salgado and mm-hmm. brought in uh, what's his face, the new safety coach. Yeah, everyone yelled scapegoat. Oh, yeah. that's, that's the or the wide guy. receiver coach that they didn't retain. And the wrong you know, guy got yeah. fired. And you go, how do you know that though? Right. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes there. If they had fired Ken Dorsey then, everyone would have screamed the wrong guy got yeah, fired. We only Ken Dorsey's yeah. to blame, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I know. Frazier, overseen a Bills defense that has been in the regular season one of the most consistent units. But you cannot dismiss the fact that in the postseason, like that's where it matters. Mm-hmm. You look at the 49ers. They're a smothering defense in the regular season. In the playoffs... They were badass. Mm-hmm. They were badasses because they're coordinated, and they historically have been that. Yeah. You look at Leslie Frazier. The, the Bills can rough up on teams during the regular season. The second that they're met with teams that have adequate quarterback play and a decent offensive coordinator, which you kind of have to have to qualify for the playoffs, he's allowed 400 or more yards four times. I think over the course of like seven or eight playoff games since 2019. Uh, average 29 first downs allowed per game. Just one turnover forced in those four games where they gave up over 400 yards. And they've allowed an average of 32 points. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. For a, de- for a team that is consistently a top five defense. And that's why when it comes to the Bills, you almost have to throw some of the DVOA stuff and all the statistical stuff that people will quote you and say, well, the Bills ranked here, this, and this. these fine metrics. If it doesn't materialize and instead gets dumped upside down on its fucking head in the postseason, what is it worth? I would rather be like the Chiefs. I'd rather be painfully mediocre in the regular season, but have a coordinator who knows how to show up in clutch moments against the best. Who knows how to, who knows how to flip it to the next gear. And it's just, I mean, it's kind of the same. I mean, I, back when Icy and I were doing the show, I mean, in the, the awfulness that was Bill's history, you know, it was the the playoff push and the, the, you know, I continually made the point, like, I don't want this team to just make the playoffs for the sake of making it, right? Yes. Like, if you're not gonna, if you're gonna make the playoffs, be a team that can make some noise, can be dangerous, can make a run, can maybe win this thing. Don't limp in as the wild card team just to break the streak because all that means is it's a lower draft. It's the same thing with with Frazier, right? Like, yep. I don't care what your defense is in the regular season because you got a quarterback that's good enough to probably get you to the playoffs. If you don't have a defense that's going to amp up everything that it does well enough to hide what it doesn't do well mm-hmm. in the playoffs you're no good to me if you're going to play again 12 yards off on third and three 
that's no good to me as a defensive coordinator. I need a guy who's going to give up 400 yards a game, you know, and 22 yeah. points during the regular season because I know I got a quarterback that can go out there and outscore and outgun shoot anybody in the league. But when crunch time comes and it's the playoffs and it's a must win and Patrick Mahomes has the ball with 13 seconds left, I want the game to be over. That's it. I don't want to be sitting there going, uh, how the Bills going to figure out how to lose that because we did that for how many years after, and that's after that, that team that reti- you know to retired in the 90s? Like You don't want to be the one bitching if a defensive coordinator has a bad playoff game. Yeah. You don't want to be the one having maybe two. Maybe two bad playoff performances. But for four consecutive years, the Bills have made the playoffs and then taken what's a normally stout defense and watched it get shredded by teams that have strong offensive coordinators mm-hmm. and good to very good quarterback play. So something had to change. It seems as a surprise they waited this long to do it. Yeah, and, and that's why you know I, I tweeted out. I, I hope I hope that this was a mutual mutual parting of ways situation where it's not a, a health concern. Frazier doesn't have something going on in his life because by all accounts he's a great guy. Yeah, players love him. He's always said the right things when it comes to the press conferences and things like that. I want to, I'd like to believe that what it is is. What we talked about the last time I was here, Chris saying that he was a seven, that McDermott would be able to kind of find ways to, to win in the playoffs. I'd like to believe that there was some type of a clashing dichotomy that McDermott came to Frazier and was like, all right, defense for next year. This is what I want to change. This is what I want to update. And Frazier just disagreed. And eventually the head coach is going to win out. Let's pass on amicable terms. That's what I hope happened because I, I think Frazier's a good guy and I don't. I hope it's not health or family situations or anything like that. No. I mean, you might not have been perfect, but he brought not just proficiency. Like, I, I guess, like, if we're saying goodbye to him, he brought stability to a defensive coordinator position for the Bills that was a, just nothing short of a shit show for the entire 2000s. Chris, remember Dave Wanstat? Yeah. Yeah, the only thing dumber than that magnum P.I.-looking fucking mustache was his thirty second, 31st ranked rushing defense. Uh George Edwards. There's a whole bunch of people who just looked at their thing and went, who? Yeah. Wait, who? What? And now they're Googling George Edwards to be like, why does Drew hate him? And probably right now. Right. Yeah. Because he's forgettable. Yeah. He accomplished nothing. Rob fucking Ryan. I'll flip this table. Yeah. I'll, I, I wish him and like someone brought up Rex Ryan. We were joking yeah. about it before we started yeah. recording. I wish the both of them at the end, uh, you know, right after that Christmas Lost to the Dolphins. I wish they had both gotten on that tandem bicycle and ridden it out into traffic on an Abbott Road right out in front of the stadium. <laughs> Leslie Frazier was a fine defensive coordinator, a well-spoken coach who was really respected by his players, respected in the league. And in 2017, he picked on me at a training camp media scrum and remarked that my inquiry about the how the makeup of the defensive back rotation, like I had a very specific question in mind for him. When I asked it, he looked at me and kind of chuckled. It was like, that's a really great question, young man. And Vic Carucci gave me this side eye. And I was like, yeah, that's right, old man. <laughs> Fuck you. You don't even know who I am. Woo! I just got I just got a kudos from Leslie Frazier. You can kiss my ass. And I, and I think I think too you'd be remiss you'd be remiss probably to undersell what Frazier's impact had on McDermott as a head coach too. 100%. I mean the fact that he had been a head coach in the NFL. I thought he was a see I thought that course. was why he was brought in when McDermott was building his staff. I think it was his head coaching experience. And so they had a very similar, they had a very similar style on defense. So McDermott knew that he was going to be able to, but I, I fully believe that that was why Frazier won that job was because 
you know, he wanted to be a defensive coordinator. He knew it was his next step to hopefully get a head coaching job. McDermott needed desperately someone on his staff that knew how to go be a head coach. Yep. And the coach that we see McDermott as today, I think, has a lot to do with Frazier's first couple of, couple of years in Buffalo. So while a lot of people want to, again, cast aspersions, you might want to say, we owe Leslie Frazier a debt of gratitude yep. if he has, in fact, coached his last game for the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. So that, I'll raise a glass. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. He 100% has coached his last game in Buffalo. So now the question is what comes next? You know, if you believe former wide receiver Brandon Marshall, the Bills are finished. You know, the Bills are done. <laughs> it's over. Buffalo's done because it was all Leslie Frazier. And now everything else is just going to apart like an onion being peeled. Think about that in today's NFL, how dominant offenses are to winning games. That Brandon Marshall's like, Oh, you lost your defensive coordinator? Now nah, over. It's over, yeah. son. Bill Burr. It's over. Yes. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you know, I understand where Marshall's coming from because I, you know, I, I think you, you could, you could, yeah, I mean, because I think you could if you. I'm if, surprised you can get that far up his ass. If all you could, <laughs> if all you did was tune into <laughs> Buffalo, you know, when they had the primetime game or when they were playing the Chiefs, like you could see Frazier as a calming influence on the sideline. You could see how that defense approaches things very, very buttoned up, very, you know, direct. And that I could see that that st- could potentially stem from Frazier. I could also see that it stems from your head coach, who is very much that way all the time. And the idea of the organizational approach to things is a trickle down. And to think that that starts at the defensive coordinator is a fairly absurd <laughs> comment that that doesn't start with McDermott. McDermott may have learned that from Frazier, but McDermott by all means walks that walk and talks that talk. So I have no doubt that whoever comes in as the defensive guy, it sounds like they're not going to replace it. It's probably going to be Al Holcomb that kind of runs point on defensive stuff and McDermott may call the plays or whatever, but whatever they decide to do, I don't think that Frazier's departure is going to, cause this defense to fall off a cliff it may be Edmonds Poyer gone now suddenly you're plugging different guys in but it's not going to be because of coaching I kind of already tipped the joke but I was I'm still going to make it because it makes me laugh um, <laughs> if if Chris didn't have requirements you know we're starting to shoot more video we've got cameras he wants he needs some hard drives he needs some software we need some things he's to very get the, needy I know well, well yeah. no and he's right like look at that he can only we, be as good as the tech that he's getting Lacel. Who's whose podcast do you know has an active like Joe Rogan style camera switcher? I don't know anyone who still owns computer speakers that look like that. <laughs> so that's another thing too. Like you, you definitely need to let him upgrade the tech in here. So sure. these Logitech speakers are phenomenal. So so they, they look phenomenal. If Chris didn't have so many technological needs to get our video portion or of the show up off the ground, I would be more than happy to go. I would go to Home Depot. I would go pit Werner. It's a great brand. It's reliable. It's a, it's a, and they make some pretty, some pretty sturdy, well built ladders. Yep. And I would get one of the biggest that I could find and I would mail it to Brandon Marshall with a note on it that says, this is to help you climb down out of your own ass. <laughs> like, this is it. This is for you. It's one of the craziest things I've heard in a long time. Like that's a it's a it's either hot takery run amok like you're just trying to get attention now yeah or if to your point if you genuinely believe that a guy who's been a winning head coach for how long now he's not actually where like who was a defensive coordinator right, exactly. which is why he got the job yeah like if you don't think he's qualified I don't know what to tell you now looking at the hires the team made on defense L Holcomb like 
this is it. It's clear that this is probably the direction of things. Yep. Now, I will say, people scoff at this. People go, oh, to Carolina. He was in Carolina, and now he's coming to Buffalo. Well, it's obviously nepotism. It's this. It's that. They worked together once upon a time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I will say this, and you, you agree with me or disagree with me. Joe Marino, over the summer, when we were doing a show at O'Neill's Bar, I asked him about the shit show going on in New England and what he thought about it. And his explanation to me was, he goes, look, Bill's been around a long time, Bill Belichick. He's got a, He goes, every coach, when they have needs, they go to their Rolodex. That's what you do. Absolutely. Because coaching is very much a trust thing. It's like, look, I'm running, I'm the CEO of a company. I'm going to give you a, de- a department to run that I can't micromanage you. Mm-hmm. So I have to be able to trust you, which means I probably worked with you in some capacity. Yep. Or I worked with a person who vouches for you that you can be trusted to run this department of my company and do it well with little oversight. The problem with Bill Belichick is he just existed for so long that he exhausted his Rolodex. And he had no one. He had no one to turn to. McDermott is doing the thing that most coaches do. They go to their Rolodex. So this is a guy who apparently it was floated that he might have named El Holcomb his original DC. Mm -hmm. Except for the fact that he needed someone with head coaching experience. Because he think about it. If he hires him as his defensive coordinator and doesn't get Leslie Frazier... What are the odds we're still here talking about yeah, Sean McDermott? Absolutely. There's a, there exists a world where he hires the wrong defensive coordinator as a first-time head coach and gets Dick Durand, and that's mm-hmm. it. We never hear about him again. Yep. Like, those early teams weren't good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know... You 17, say. 18, 19, you were okay. 19, it was a, it was a lot of Josh Allen, yep. and it was a running game, and it was a strong defense. But defense kept you in the games, yeah. So... And you were learning how to lead and be a head coach, but also get away, getting away from the coordinator thing and how, how to be the CEO of a team. Yep. If you bring in Al Holcomb at that point, your entire career might just end sure. differently. Sure. So you look now at this guy who was being like, I guess the thing is he was recently the interim DC mm-hmm. for the Panthers. Uh, Steve Wilkes gets promoted, so then so does he. He gets promoted. Which it's worth pointing out that the defense was not the problem in Carolina this year. No, in fact, when Holcomb showed up and took over the defensive coordinator job, Carolina's defense gave up three and a half fewer points per game yep. under Holcomb. I mean, they did get smashed down the stretch by some I mean, injuries, just kind of fucked him at the end. He's a guy who isn't like 
he's not an unknown just being handed this position he doesn't deserve. Right. This is a guy who he was what did he was talked about as being the Bills' defensive coordinator the first time around. Mm-hmm. He was also being talked about by Atlanta. They reached out, in, which is crazy to think that in the division you would reach out to an opponent who's still under contract and go, hey, yeah. that guy was your defensive coordinator. Can we talk to him? And they're like, fuck you. No, yeah. wait till his contract expires and get in line with everybody else. Luckily for uh, <laughs> luckily for Carolina, they, that worked out for him. I just, he's held the title of assistant head coach before in his career, which tells you that he's probably regarded as a very good coach of the game of football. Yeah. And, you know, and he, he's been a defensive coordinator before, right? Yeah. For Arizona. He coached a pretty good linebacker core in Carolina in his time in Carolina. Pr- pretty good? Yeah. Pretty good. Ryan, look at this. Do you know who Frankie Louvu is? Of course I do, yeah. The fuck you do? Nobody do. knows. Yeah, who, absolutely do. Nobody knows who Frankie <laughs> Lubu is. This is my. Point. I watch way too much Carolina. I I I gamble too much. So okay. I, I know too. Okay, much. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. But this is my point. Up to this season, he was just some fucking also ran. He was a journeyman. Never started more than four games in a season. Carolina playing it cheap brings him in and says, "Hey, look, you're going to get your first crack at a starting gig, and you're going to be coached by L. Holcomb." Under his tutelage, Luvu starts 14 games, 111 tackles, seven sacks, one interception. Breakout year for a guy who was literally nothing in the NFL up to this point in his career. Yep. And every one of the edge players, the outside linebackers on that team, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, career highlight uh, highs in tackles, tackles for loss, quarterback hits. Now, Chris, go back to the, us talking about the safety coach being fired and hired. Oh, yeah. How... We talked about the dynamic being teaching and how you need to bring in somebody who can teach young guys how to grow into a role. Then think about what's happening right now with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, the Bills right now, they're a team that could be requiring someone to coach up youth at the linebacker position as well as the safety position. And Holcomb has a pretty good track. I mean, Luke Luke Keekley was pretty... Pretty damn good. Heard and, of him. Uh, he heard of him. Heard of him. Yeah. I mean, he don't. I mean, he was 2012. He got drafted. So, and Holcomb was there from 13 to 17, coaching linebackers. I mean, having somebody who's proven that he understands the nuances of teaching young players while simultaneously being sought up by other franchises as a defensive coordinator, bringing that guy in and basically making him your, even if you want to call him chief uh, chief defensive assistant. Yep. But you don't have to call him defensive coordinator. You can if you want to, if you want to help his career. Yep. But realistically, he's your quality control guy. He's your, he, he's, what do you want to call that, first mate? Uh, yeah. What's the, uh, what are some other sidekick terms? He's the bat, He's the Robin to your Batman. He's the. Short uh, round. Short round. Come on, short, short round. round. <laughs> How, can we just talk about, two seconds, that movie, you couldn't make that movie again now. Nope. Oh, no. Oh, no, you have an Asian sidekick that you call Short Round? <laughs> Come on, oh, Short Round. Oh, you're going to get canceled for that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I, I see Chris doing it, too. So I, th- I think a lot of people are probably Googling Al Holcomb right as they listen. Yeah. Don't get don't get mystified by the one-year stint as a defensive coordinator in Arizona because he was tied up with that Steve Wilkes nonsense where they gave yes. Steve Wilkes one year with Josh Rosen as a rookie quarterback, and then they decided to throw everything out and start over with Cliff Kingsbury, and, and now they're it. married to... 
Kyler Murray with Cliff Kingsbury getting a giant check to go You want to talk about a shit organization? The only reason Arizona doesn't take as much heat as the Cleveland Browns for being a shitty football team and just a, sh- a poorly run organization is because they're in the desert where no one gives a fuck. They're on the West Coast. They're on the West Coast. And, and, and they, got a, they got an F, right? An F in that recent study from... What's that drop we play? You folks fell on your face. Yeah. <laughs> you get an F minus <laughs> in you the book. See, it was like their <laughs> facilities. Yeah. Yeah. They got an F. Yeah, so so your GM got hammered, got stopped, and tried to pull the name game. Like, oh, you know who I am? No, you're bald. You're a bald guy with a fucking... Tried to pull... Who was that? Was that Dante Whitner? No, Steve, Steve Kime. Oh, the no, I know, but who was, who was the Bills player that did that? Oh, who? I don't Co- even know. Coe Simpson, was it? It was one of the Bills safeties, I remember, got pulled well, over. Oh, yeah, yeah, was, oh, it was 100% Coe Simpson. If, yeah, I thought it was Coe Simpson. If, yeah, I'm the yeah. cop, if I'm the cop at the Steve Kahn traffic stop, I'm not going to lie to you. When someone like that looks at me and goes, do you have any idea who I am? I go, uh, you look like you ate Fred Durst. That's <laughs> that's what I know. I No, I don't know who you are. Um, like, that's your GM. Your head coach was Chris with a clipboard. Like, that hair... On an NFL sideline with the same football knowledge. Chris, I don't, like, think, I, Chris, I don't think that's the football, insult that he thinks it is. The same football <laughs> IQ with that. You basically put Chris. You let him pick a quarter. You let him pick a quarterback. Then you then paid. And guess what? You paid the coach. But that wasn't nearly as ironclad. So you could get rid of him. Well, yeah, you can always get rid of the coach. And then yeah. Steve Kime steps aside, and now you as a franchise are like, well, we're just going to kind of fumble around with this for a while. Yes, you will. And yet no one gives them as much heat as they deserve. Oh, absolutely. Because they're in Arizona. And a no state one gives that a shit. literally, if it wasn't for John Fina, I wouldn't think about ever. Yeah. Not ever. So, with that said, Holcomb. Like, what we've just talked about changes the way I hope people see that hire. Yeah. I hope people look at that and go, oh, wait a minute. This isn't just the nepotism or all the people who naysayed it. And they're like, well, it's weak. Is it weak? I don't know. This is a guy who was being talked about for other teams to be their defensive coordinator. He's now here to maybe learn, I don't want to say coattail ride, but maybe ride Sean McDermott's coattails a little bit and say, look, give me a title. Give me something. Let me work here so that one day I can get a defensive coordinator role because that's eventually how I become a head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you if you're disappointed by this hire, it's because, you know, no offense, not many people know a lot about Steve or about Al Holcomb, right? No. It's because you don't know who Al Holcomb is. You don't know his resume and you expect every hire that the Bills make to be a splash hire of a guy that you know out of the gate. And that's not going to happen at a defensive coordinator position. No. A month after teams have already filled that position with all of the open vacancies that are out there. Your option was Rex Ryan, who can't get hired by anybody or his let, teeth are too white. Or let I'm going to say it. His teeth are called. May, may, maybe it's just me and my insecure. Although I'm not insecure. I love the fact that my teeth are fucked. Because you know why? If you can walk into a place with the amount of unearned confidence that I have and just what and you have this smile. It puts people off. They don't know what to think because they're just <laughs> like, why, right well, yeah, because they're just like, why is this guy like borderline cocky? What? For what reason? <laughs> and then they believe. They're like, there has to be something going on. Yeah, he's, he's must, he he clearly, must have money. He's got money or he's he well hung his, or whatever. He yeah. sees his teeth in the mirror every day when he brushes his teeth. He knows what's going on there, and yet he still has this level of confidence. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, again, I mean, your options were pretty limited. Um, 
But at the same time, you let your head coach do what any professional does when you say yes. go hire somebody is you call somebody you know that you're familiar with working with that knows your system that knows how you operate and say come on up let's do something here and there's one thing i will say like people like if you want to look at what the dolphins did they bring in vic fangio and dolphins fans are creaming themselves over this oh we got a great defensive court would you feel the same way if the bills had brought in a defensive coordinator higher who you know is probably vying. Like, they're a hot name because they're vying for their own head coaching job. I was going to say, because don't forget that we weren't that far removed from a season where there was legitimate rumblings in Miami that McDaniel might not yeah, be Yeah, like, if this doesn't year. go well and they don't make the playoffs, he might, like, they, they were talking about, like, oh, we might be in on Sean Payton. We might yeah. be doing things. So, yeah, he just put another strong name in the building. I've seen that go sideways. Look at the New York Jets. Like, I've seen head coaches win power struggles with GMs. I've seen coordinators kind of... Look at Doug Marone. Yeah. Fucking, what's his name? Gus Bradley made the mistake of bringing in Doug Marone and giving him, oh, you're my line coach, but you're also the assistant head coach. Doug Marone's not stupid. And he just sat back and watched that shit show unfold because he's like, I will usurp the throne. It was very Games of Thrones. Thrones like, well, he looks around the looks around the coaching room and goes, well, if this guy gets shit canned, who else is going to step in and be the head coach? Yeah, And he's like, well, I've got the experience. This is a great place for me to be. Yep. You don't want that. No, not for an organization that actually gives you shit about winning something anytime soon. So I like this hire and I like the philosophies behind it. Now, the remaining question is what else might change? I would find myself asking it a lot, and I thought about it. We have seen Sean McDermott call plays for the Bills before. Mm-hmm. In 2018, McDermott made headlines. Remember? Yep, I do. He basically, you know, they come out of the tunnel. They, I remember that was the Chris. That's the weekend we met Swenson for the first time. All right, we met Mike Swenson, and it was funny because he, him. And all of his Australian friends and his father fly in. We bring Reed. We all go to the Blackthorn for dinner. First of all, all of them, just Australians by nature, are just taller than all of us. Yeah. Which is fucking, like, it's hilarious They're ways different, yeah. Well, they're just bigger. Like, they're yeah. anatomically, like, the same as the rest of us. They're just bigger than us. I'm not sure there's a male from Australia that's under 6'2". Well, that's it. I think you. I think that Mike's, I think that Swenson's child might already be as tall <laughs> as me. Like, I don't know. I have to check in with him. But he, this was my one of my favorite memories that night was his one of his friends who was super picky kept like he made some complaint about a burger and he kept sending it back. And I'm like, I thought you guys were easy going. Like, yeah, the the Outback and a the Gators. And Good day. We yeah. Crocodile Dundee. And it was just one of the funniest things to watch his friend like have a freak out over a burger. I don't know why, <laughs> but it, especially with the accent, the waitress just didn't know what to do. But so they came to that game. And that's why it's like that combined with the Bills at a home opener just getting their heads caved in, right? Yep. Heads caved in by the Chargers. 28 points in the first half, and McDermott comes out holding the play call sheet in the second half. And everyone's, it's it's being tweeted, it's being rumbled about, like, oh, well, Frazier's been put on the bench. Yeah. And then the whole week was, th- th- this th- at the end of the season, they're probably going to let him go, blah, 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 blah. Kudos to McDermott for salvaging that relationship. Yeah. And it, building a strong enough relationship to step in and say, listen, I can do your job better than you. I will give it back to you. And this won't be a thing in our relationship. But for right now, I got to do this. Yeah. 
The team gave up three points in that second half. And the red zone defense stiffened up. Yep. That's that, that was the big thing, right? The front seven was more aggressive in the second half. We got more pressures. We netted a sack, multiple tackles for loss, where in the first half we were just lost. Yeah. Bean's comments about a comfort level with McDermott calling his own defensive plays makes you kind of remember that no matter how qualified like this next defensive coordinator is, he's probably going to be heavily involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's probably going to be the play caller. And guess what? Offensive coaches do it all the time. Why can't a defensive coach do it? Yeah. No, I mean, I see Andy Reid, right? I mean, and that's why I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just they don't name a defensive coordinator. They just go with the staff as it's built because that's- we've seen, and especially if he's trying to help out his friend Al Holcomb and kind of position him for his next position, we've seen what Andy Reid does to an offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy who can't find a job until he takes a lateral move oh, somewhere else. He's got right? the coordinator. He's got the, the the coordinator job for the fucking uh, the commanders. commanders. Yeah, Chris, who's his quarterback? Heineke or um... Sam Howell? Yes, yeah, Sam Howell. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? And this is a kind of why I think Ron Rivera needs to go. Your team won five games with Taylor Heineke. Your team was 1-0 and with Sam Howell at quarterback. You lost all your games with Carson Wentz, and you missed the playoffs. Yep. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. You won six games with those guys, and you couldn't find another three from the guy that you went out and got. Right. That was your guy. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I think, you know, I think they're going to hold where they are. I think McDermott's going to, you know, lean on Holcomb to probably, like you said, do a little bit more of the coaching and development type of stuff, and McDermott is going to focus in on scheme and play calling. So speaking of that, I, th- I started thinking about, like, what's going to change, right? Because realistically, they both run the same 4-3 defense. Yep. That's why he was here. Frazier ran a Tampa 2-style defense. It's kind of had its up and ups and downs. Like, after going over McDermott's defenses when he was a coordinator, there was a couple things I noticed. Like, every McDermott defense has had, and still has, a pair of linebackers that dominate the defensive snap percentage. Yep. They don't do this platooning of middle linebackers and swapping guys around and multiple linebackers. No, no, no. I have two guys, and those are my defensive workhorses, which almost makes you think that if we really, truly do let Tremaine Edmonds go, they're probably going to work really hard to get Matt Milano signed long-term because he can't lose both those guys. Longer term. He's always had a stud linebacker, at least one. And he's had another guy who those two are his fixtures. The rotation of the defensive line will absolutely continue. Yep. Like, that's a thing. This I thought was interesting. The safety snap numbers. The Bills have not utilized... Like, when you look at Sean McDermott early on in his career, and then when he was the Carolina coordinator... He had at least three safeties with more than 28% of the snap percentage every single season. He liked to run a lot of cover three. He showed, you know, what looked like a nickel and then you'd have, but it was three safeties. And then yeah. some safety, the safety would drop down in the box. A lot of rotating the safety, but you see that happening now. I looked at the Bill snap percentage and what I see is that the only reason he's not using more is because Teron Johnson is so good. Yeah, he's really good, yeah. So as a cornerback... You're not taking him off the field for Saran Neal, are you? Right. No. 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 N- not at all. I don't think a whole lot is going to change. At the same time, you know, Sal Capaccio was on WGR 550 the other day. I, I rarely listen to this station, yeah. but I'm glad I caught this. 
He was talking about how he dug up old articles on Sean McDermott from his time in Carolina and that one of the themes of the discussion around him was how aggressive he was as a defensive coordinator. And he, he in response, he was quoted as saying, I'm a wrestler. Of course I'm aggressive. Yeah. Like, I chased down the things. I was a safety in college. I'm a, I was a wrestler. Of course I'm an aggressive person by nature. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to apologize for that. Aggressiveness, Ryan, in a defensive approach... Like, that's not something that the Bills have been known for. No, and they should be known more for it with the talent that they have. And that's where this... And aggressiveness can mean a lot of things. Not just blitzing, but also how you decide... Like, you could take a non-aggressive defensive approach and say, look, this team has has three talented wide receivers. Or they have one super talented wide receiver, i.e. Tariq Hill. And they have one super talented tight end... Travis Kelsey. And then they have a bunch of bit players. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to play everybody equally. We're going to try to just maintain the composure of our defense, and we're going to take the safe route. Or you say, we don't give a fuck about those other guys. We're going to double both of them and just see if anyone else can make a play. Yep. That's aggression. Mm-hmm. That's being aggressive as a play caller. It's it, There's a lot of different ways you can line that up. It also, like, how much man versus zone you run. Like, things like that. Josh Norman was an all-pro at corner under Sean McDermott. His best seasons came with McDermott as his defensive coordinator. In 2015, which was his all-pro defensive player of the year breakout year, he only played 19% of his snaps in man. Yeah. People forget that. They're like, oh, he was a man cover corner. It was great. That's why the Bills got him. No. His best season ever. He played a ton of zone. But tell me that defense that went all the way to the Super Bowl for the Panthers wasn't physical and aggressive. There's a mindset that you coach into your defense as a coordinator. You say, this is how we're going to play. Yeah. I I don't know. I think that you're watching it already start to skew this way. And this is where the Frazier-McDermott schism might even start is Buffalo has quietly ramped up its man versus zone coverage since 2017. Uh, 20%. Right, Trey White's rookie season in 2017 to 2021 where every cornerback on the roster played at least 30% of their coverage in man defense. It didn't work in the postseason. No. So it was time for something new. Now does McDermott go back to his roots and say, look, we're going to go back to 20% man, 19% man, we're going to play a lot of zone, but we're going to play a physical zone. Yeah. And I think I have the cornerbacks to finally do it. Look, you've got Benford and Elam. Like, that was their thing. They were man cornerbacks. Right, exactly, yeah. If you can teach those kids to play zone, now you got some bangers out there who are going to play a rough physical brand of zone defense. Yeah, and the, thi- and the thing with, with physicality is if you, if you play physical all game, you don't have to worry about can, my, can they dial it up when it counts, right? Exactly. And that was the thing that, that I struggled with with, with Frazier is that he, a lot of times, especially in the playoffs, I felt like he just kind of was like, keep it in front of you you know let's not get too physical here again third and three let's play off ball because we don't want to get beat over the top instead of we're always playing physical so now we're just going to continue to play physical and get up in their face right yeah no i i think that there's a lot here that again people the brandon marshall's of the world and the bills fans who want to be who want to join him i mean i'll get you werner ladders too if you need it (laughs) (laughs) but realistically those of you out there who think that this is a crisis, I look at it as let's pl- let's let this play out. 
we're going to have to, right? Like, that's what I love about this. People who are like, well, I'm not satisfied. Guess what, Joe Schmo with fucking bad sideburns and Go a watch. fading hairline? Yeah. No one gives a fuck. You think Sean McDermott thinks what you care? Yeah. Like, thinks that you don't like it. Oh, well, Kyle XYZ on Twitter doesn't like the fact that I did this. I should probably change. He's not going to. But what I will say is that his fans, we can kind of maybe take a step back and stop being so hyperbolic about this change and almost become sort of optimistic about it because here's what we know. We already talked about it. Yep. The status quo was not enough. Yeah. And it wasn't one off season. It wasn't two off seasons. It wasn't three. It was four consecutive years of playoffs showed us that what we were doing right now was not enough. So let's try something different. Yeah. You have to, right? Yeah. It's a definition of insanity if you don't, right? You can't just keep running it back with the same personnel with a couple, you know, same players on the field with a couple of different plugins, you know, Player talent is only going to get you so far. So if you felt like you were there talent-wise this year, then something at the coaching level has to change. And it's the one thing, arguably, I mean, it's the one thing you haven't tried on defense yet is just a straight switch at defensive coordinator. I mean, it's it's crazy to me. Because then, Chris, how many people, if we had brought Leslie Frazier back, would be screaming week three when we play the Eagles and they just set us on fire because we're passive? Sounds about right. Ah, uh, Leslie Frazier stinks. It's like, well, well, guys, we're doing the thing we've always done. Yeah. <laughs> playing playing this type of defense against superior offensive firepower and coaching. Right. You got to try something else. And for Sean McDermott, if he wants to take the bull by the horns there, this his his defense was the thing that got him here. Yeah. That and his ability to lead. I think that we as fans not wanting to give him a chance to sh- see what that looks like i don't know aren't we kind of like if we all say that we trust mcdermott as a head coach yeah you either trust the process or you don't well that's it so. if you don't trust the guy then maybe like if your thing is well i thought he could do this and that and the other but now i don't i don't know what the, then, then what are we all doing then why are you watching why are you buying tickets right yeah i mean this is this is a message that the status quo right, was not right, acceptable. Right, wrong, or indifferent. This is the message that the reason that the defense played it did the way it did in the playoffs is because of Leslie Frazier. And this is the way that they make that change. So, you know, as someone who was hypercritical of McDermott, even on the show that you and I did, yep. I'm for whatever move it takes to try to take that team to the next level because I don't think the way the coaching staff was built, I don't think that a player is going to be the one that does that. No, except for Josh Allen. Right, but you've already got... But you've got a, it. You've got a stallion. You've, got you've already guy. made. You've already. You've got the stallion. You've already made the decision to stick with the offensive coordinator. That is what it is. So now you need to go what out and get a change? guy. And and let's be honest. The reason that they've lost the last three years in the playoffs has not been because of Josh Allen. No. So if he's the best player on the team and he's the franchise and he's the guy mm. you're going to pay hundred million dollars to. Although I don't know, ask ask Stefan Diggs about that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but if you if that if no, that's your guy, answer. right? You can't let other players on the field or other schemes be the reason you lose that football game you can't you can't lose to the chiefs two years ago and (laughs) not let josh allen have the last crack at things you just can't now before we end this show real quick you seem to think kyle Shermer matters why i just think that it's it's he's a better fit on the offensive side he's a former you know quarterback Mm -hmm. he is someone who i think can can partner with Brady and uh, Dorsey to kind of run that offense a little bit better, and maybe you just need someone in the ear of Dorsey that says, "Hey, 
can we try something different? Like, can can we go back to what it was? I mean, he's young as a coach. He's, by all accounts, pretty innovative from what I've read about him. You know, played quarterback in college. He was a pretty decent quarterback in college. Played quarterback in the NFL recently. And we've seen these guys that are recently removed are pretty good. And he played under... Mahomes and Reed and the enemy in in Kansas City. So right. you know that he's. At, I'm assuming he's picked up some innovative offensive pieces that maybe he can help Dorsey with. It'll be interesting to see what happens on the offensive side of the ball with these coaching changes. Because I'll say this: I have text messages from a person who will remain unnamed because I don't want to embarrass them. But what I heard is that if by week four the Bills haven't incorporated more orbit motion and more jet sweep into their offense pre-snap. He's going to assemble a team of people to break into Ken Dorsey's home a la the Big Lebowski yep. and throw him in the tub with a marmot. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know what? I can't fight you on that. I do also want to just point out that for fans watching that this is uh, Kyle Shermer, not Pat Shermer, because I did hear a lot. I did see a lot on Twitter of, oh, you can't hurt to have a former offensive coordinator as your offensive <laughs> quality. Like, so, who like, do you think? Yeah, just hired? make sure that it's, not, it's not Pat Shermer. It's Kyle Shermer. Former quarterback. Well, I Super, think Super Bowl winning quarterback, I, I, I might think, add. I, yeah, Super Bowl winning quarterback. <laughs> I think if you put them all in the same room together, no one would have any, like, they'd be like, oh, okay, we see the difference. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, shit. Kyle Shermer's a little younger than Pat Shermer, so. Guys, this has been fun. I'm I, I'm happy to have gotten to have this conversation with our fan base after the fallout of all this stuff. I know this stuff gets beat up all week long, and Chris and I only do, we record one night a week. Yeah. I'm not trying to. We're not trying to be sports TMZ here. Chris doesn't want me here in his basement any more than he has to have me. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, but, but I'm. I I feel like we bring a little bit of something to every one of these that you can't get somewhere else. I appreciate the fact that you guys show up every week for it. I love you, but we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Ryan Lacell. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rockpile Report.